Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Welcome, Dale. Well, thank you for letting me participate in this today. I'm really happy to have you with us. So could you tell us a little bit about the Iguana Project and what inspired you to write it? Okay. Uh, You know, in my career, I traveled quite a bit and uh, vacationed around and Uh, On one of my vacations, we ended up in Ecuador and spent some time over in the uh, Galapagos Islands. And I was fascinated by the marine iguanas that go down deep into the ocean and they spend sometimes up to 30 minutes without breathing. And uh, this was quite fascinating in addition to all the other strange and interesting animals. But I had a desire to write a murder mystery uh, novel and I kind of got the idea that using the iguanas and uh, their ability would make a great way to uh, have a revenge in the plot. Mm. So you say you've you've done a lot of traveling around in your career. What was your career? Well, I was a consultant, and I traveled uh, through North America and Europe, assisting manufacturing companies implementing enterprise-wide technology. And as you can imagine, some of my trips were very long. And uh, after I got bored with working all the time, and I've watched all the movies, I found that I uh, really wanted to write this novel that had been bumping around in my head for years. So I started writing a novel, and I found myself in one engagement where I was flying from Dallas to uh, uh, Seattle, from Seattle to Boise, Idaho, and back uh, about five, six hours each leg. And I did this for every week for a whole year. So you can imagine how much time I had to, uh, to think and write. And it became a, a really serious endeavor. Wow, that's really cool. So you really put that uh, travel time to use. I did. I did. It was fun. And as a result of, of uh, all that quiet quality time, I uh, had a good, good start on getting a manuscript developed. Great. So you had the idea about the, uh, the iguanas, and then you found yourself in this, this place where you needed to occupy your time. And, and now, you said you had this novel sort of bouncing around in your, in your head. Tell me a little bit about that was, what that was and what that was like. Well, I had the idea that uh, in this murder mystery, uh, I could weave the idea of taking people and putting them into a state of suspended animation, uh, much like the iguanas. And I thought, gee, these animals, a very rare thing to find that animals can actually go into this little state of suspended animation. Uh, I thought, how can I apply that into a mystery novel? And uh, the more I thought about it, the more excited I got about building into the plot. Yeah, nice. And what would you say is your um, your target audience for this audiobook? Well, well, this is definitely not a children's book. It is for, um, I guess, young adults or older adults uh, interested in mystery novels and uh, suspense thrillers, uh, books of that nature. Cool. Now, if you had to select a favorite part of the audiobook, now and you can't pick one that would be a spoiler. I have one <laughs> that it would, but it would be a spoiler, so I'm not going to share it. But uh, <laughs> well, 
what are some of your favorite parts or what, what's your favorite part? Well, I think the uh, there's two parts that I really liked. And uh, one was the development of the characters that uh, really got deeply involved with the mafia. And uh, my main character in the book is an Irish immigrant. And uh, by having the audio book, I allowed, to, allowed my narrator to carry most of this dialogue with an Irish accent. And that added a lot to the, to the book. But I think my favorite part is really the last chapter that kind of brings it all together and, and it really introduces some really interesting things at the end that, that very exciting how it all comes together. I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would also say, you know, when I, the very first look at the manuscript was a very strong opening and almost made me think, I'm not sure I would want, you know, how much I want to participate in this just because it was quite violent and graphic, but I love your book. Um, and so I was really glad that I got myself to go past that opening scene, but it really did set the, it set everything up in a real strong way. Right. No, that's very interesting because as I passed my manuscript from various friends to family, uh, I got some comments back that said, you know, you got a really great book here, but you don't have a, a first chapter that's a grabber. So oh. that first chapter was written after the fact to, to really get the uh, audience interested in uh, the desire to revenge a, a killing. It did get very graphic. I have to admit that. And I've often thought maybe a little too graphic, but uh, yeah. it, it pulls the, uh, the audience in. It definitely does that. And it really does set up the, the rest of the plot. So what would you say is your biggest goal with your, your book and your audiobook? Well, I always thought when I, even when I started the book, in my mind, I saw the book as a movie. And I'm now marching down a course to try and find a, uh, uh, someone who can guide me down that path. I've met with a variety of attorneys and some people in the industry, and it's a very lengthy process. Uh, I'm not sure whether I need to do a screenplay next or, or what, but I, I've visually seen the book as a movie. i I see a lot of movies today, and I think, gee, my book would make a better movie than that one I just looked at. Yep. So my goal is to see it on the big screen. Yep, I agree with you. I think it would actually make an excellent film. So I hope that you succeed with that. <laughs> yeah, you just have to find the right path. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't know if you're able to think back to that moment before you got started, before we started producing the audio book, but um, if you can, what do you remember uh, being your biggest challenge in regards to that whole process? Well, you know, when you read a book it, you're, from your own mind, you create the characters and you know, how they're reacting. Uh, and I, I wanted to bring the Irish uh, immigrant aspect into it, the mafia into it, the different uh, colloquialisms and dialogue. So I, I, I found it difficult to just get everyone to see that without going to someone reading it. So by going and selecting an audiobook and finding a narrator that could really bring the characters, characters to life uh, with the, the proper uh, Irish accent, uh, it was very essential that I, that I went down that path. Yeah. Now, I understand that you have uh, other novels either already written or in process. Is that true? I have one in process that's going to be a follow-on to uh, the Iguana Project that addresses some other major, I guess, problems in our in our country. I felt my novel uh, made a big first step towards introducing 
a solution to some of our big problems in the country. And yeah. uh, that's something you have to read the book to figure that out. Yeah. If you could provide one piece of advice for authors who are in a similar situation to your own as you got started in this audiobook process, what might that be? Well, it's absolutely essential to uh, interview some narrators and listen to them read your book. Uh, it, you know, without having that process completed, you just can't go out and hire one. I would certainly not recommend trying to record it yourself. Uh, you really need to find a good professional narrator to get the job done correctly. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And um, now that you've come through this process of getting your audiobook produced, what would you say is the greatest benefit or value that you've received? Well, I found today more and more people are moving away from uh, buying hardback, softback, uh, moving more to ebooks and audiobooks. The market seems to be a lot hotter for the audiobook. Of what people being so busy today, uh, I have friends that said, yeah, I played in my car to and from work. Uh, I don't have time to read anymore. So they can pop it in. I put the whole book on a flash drive. And when I traveled out west on a vacation recently, I listened to the whole book again. And it really was a lot more fun to, to hear, it, uh, hear it read to me rather than trying to read it as time permitted. Yeah. Now, you recently went to the Galapagos Islands. Uh, to I do did. That. Tell us a little bit about that that trip and what research you were pursuing. Well, my objective uh, for going to the Galapagos Islands was to film various video segments to produce um, uh, YouTube videos. Uh, the next step of my process, once I had the audiobook, I wanted to use various segments from the audiobook to be put into these little uh, YouTube vignettes. So I was there primarily to trace down the iguanas and other animals and some of the locations where my book locations were in the book. So I uh, I had a definite idea and a script of what I wanted to shoot. I brought those home and I was able to clip those out and put them into uh, my little YouTube videos. And that's a campaign that I'm going to continue to do, uh, hopefully at least once a month uh, through time. And I'll I'll use those pictures and clips from my audiobook. Audiobook clips make a great tool to support that YouTube video. That's excellent. You know, they, you know, as we know, YouTube is a is one of our key tools in in marketing audiobooks, and a lot of authors don't know about how to utilize it effectively. So, uh, but I think you're someone who who really gets what to do with that and and how to use it. So. Um, Congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. Not very hard to do. You need a little bit of training on the software, how to create that. You probably need to go out and buy some software to help you get those created, but I found it very effective. What other things would you like to share with us about either your audiobook or your book or, um, or the process of having those created? What would you like to share with us? Well, the whole process took about, from beginning to end, approaching maybe three years, from early manuscript development to buying some books on how to write a book. Considering that I was not a professional writer, I had to learn a lot about the writing process, actually engage some uh, literary uh, professionals, some coaches to help me and critique it and guide me, professional editing. And then, you know, once you get it, 
down where it's done, the editing process, then you've got to figure out how am I going to get it printed or produced. Uh, and then, you know, you say, I, I got to take it next. I got to learn how to market this, this book. I have a very long path that I went through uh, and spent a lot of money in the process. I have my own website. I spent a lot of time in getting good professional people to create artwork. So it was a long process, but I, I really, I believe getting to the point where I was ready to get an audiobook was a really important step. I find more and more people come back and say, gee, I just listened to your book uh, on audiobook, and it was really overwhelmingly successful for them and for me. That's about it. I don't know if the, the advice is that, you know, it's uh, if you're not a professional writer, you need to get some coaching and some help along the way. Yeah. Well, uh, that seems like a good segue. Let's listen to a sample of The Iguana Project by Dale Arden, narrated by Daniel Rubio and produced by Pro Audio Voices. This title is now available as an audiobook as well as in print. In the distance, a whimpering sound rises just above the soft chime of a grandfather clock. Colleen Braydock pauses and listens, but the sound is not repeated. She dismisses it as her imagination and saunters into her spacious bedroom. Colleen is thinking about how much she loves the extravagant fundraisers at the prestigious Westchester Country Club in upstate New York. The people, the conversation, the lively entertainment. From the edge of her bedside chair, she removes her high heels in a leisurely fashion then she stands and slowly unzips the back of her stunning evening gown, unhooks her lace-covered bra, and drapes them over her chair. Now naked, except for her panties, she reaches for the cream-colored silk negligee carefully laid out for her by the maidservant. Her long, strawberry-blonde hair, still slightly curled from the evening's festivities, drapes over her firm breasts. She slides the negligee over her head as she walks to her dressing table. She brushes her hair with long strokes as she admires her reflection in the mirror. I wish Patrick could have been with me tonight, she thinks. Everyone misses him when he's not there. She reaches across the four-poster bed to pull back the quilted comforter. Using a small step stool, she gently climbs into bed, thinking on how she feels too excited to sleep. She grabs the novel she has been working on and burrows into her overstuffed pillows. Thoughts of the stimulating evening return as she thumbs through to her bookmark, presses the pages back, and takes in the inviting scent of the printer's ink. So many dances, such lively music, such sumptuous food. Patrick would have loved this party she thinks. Not for the first time, she wishes he had graced her with his company that night. But then again, she couldn't begrudge him his desire to join their two grown sons, Nick and Andy, on their annual hunting trip with clients. She suspects, however, that had he been at the club that night, her husband would not have appreciated all the male attention she had received thanks to the daring dress she had worn. She enjoys a guilty delight in the thought. After struggling to read several pages, her eyes become heavy and slowly close. Her breathing deepens as she allows the story to carry her into sleep. 
Unconsciously, she shifts, causing the book to slide from her lap and off the bed. It hits the floor with a thump. The sound stirs her. Now half awake, she reaches to click off the bedside lamp. She takes a long, deep breath and pulls the comforter to her chin, wanting to regain the restful slumber. Her overtired body betrays her, and she struggles to return to her peaceful state. Colleen recalls stimulating conversation, rich food, fine wine. It all combines to cause her to toss and turn for what feels like hours. Then she hears it. The sound is so startling and so alarmingly close that at first she believes she must have dreamed it. Disconcerted, she sits upright on the edge of the bed, trying to clear her thoughts. But when she hears it again, she can't help herself. Although not entirely awake and very much alone in the house, she feels compelled to investigate. It's three in the morning, and her bedroom is awash with light from the full moon. She moves cautiously in the moonlight, reaching for the robe folded carefully on the padded chair next to her bed. In her bare, lily-white feet, she tiptoes down the hall to the stairs. She runs her fingers through her hair as she floats down the winding wooden staircase. With her willowy frame and flowing negligee, she realizes she must look like something of a ghost in the eerie blue-gray light of the grand entry hall. Moonlight pours through the floor-to-ceiling leaded glass windows. When the sound rings out for a third time, she turns with a jerk and stalks in the direction from which it came. She knows that, for the most part, the house is empty. Only a handful of the house staff would have remained for the night, and all would have retired for the evening. Through each room she passes. Thanks, Dale, for joining us. Well, thank you very much. Enjoyed it, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the next book being produced and uh, passed to you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.